Coming up on episode 106 of Appetite for Distortion, Michael Sweet from Striper. We're going to be talking about his new record, both solo and with Striper. And is he offended by the cross on Appetite for Destruction? We're going to have a very interesting conversation with Michael. Welcome to the podcast. Do you know where you are? Do you know where you are? is Appetite for Distortion. And welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode 106. It is Brando, thanks to Asher Ben-Ruby, uh, last episode, a.k.a. Smash, from uh, the GNR interview, 1987, Headbangers Ball. Tony, I'm sure you were a big Headbangers Ball fan. Oh, I totally was. I mean, you got to remember, I grew up um, in the 80s. Um, I'm a little bit older than you. I just turned 45 in February. Uh, but I'm, you know, I'm an old-school 80s metalhead. I started listening to metal and hard rock in 88. And, uh, yeah, I graduated in 1992, so, yeah. Very well familiar with Headbangers Ball. It was, I mean, because I grew up with mainly Ricky Rackman, but it was, I mean, I remember the, the Adam Curry, but this was right before. I don't, do you remember that GNR interview when they trashed the set at the end of it? Uh, I, that might have, I, I don't recall, I recall an interview where they did trash um, a set, but I, did, I don't remember if it was Headbangers Ball per se. Um, so I'm not 100% familiar because I started listening to Guns N' Roses in 88, but I didn't really see much of them uh, on Headbangers Ball because uh, I didn't always watch Headbangers Ball like every weekend. You know, it was just like whenever I got a chance to in between, you know, hanging out with friends and partying. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were doing your the, the real life headbanging and, and, uh, oh, yeah, and you're still doing it with less hair. Just like a yeah, well, much much less. <laughs> uh, me as well, and same thing with uh, with Asher, who had the when he's interviewing GNR for their first interview on uh, an MTV. He had um, he had like the Bob Ross fro, and now he's like me, bald with a beard. You know, as <laughs> as, as things happen. But anyway, so this is uh, that was my segue into uh, my very special co-host for today, former co- co-worker but still current friend, uh, Tony Grader, uh, who I worked with at, at iHeartRadio and. We would talk all the time about what we just did, metal. You know, I'd be wearing my band T-shirts of obviously primarily Guns N' Roses. And, you know, you'd be rocking uh, Kiss and Iron Maiden and and, and Striper because, of course, Michael Sweet Mm -hmm. is coming up in in just a few minutes. And we had many in Axl Rose, not verse Michael Sweet as far as who's better, but just the approach to it all, to approach to being a rock star. So it's cool to take our conversations, our friend conversations to a podcast and to interview Michael Sweet. Did you ever think that would happen? No, no, not at all. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, I've been a, I I, I mean, first of all, Guns N' Roses was my favorite band growing up in high school. Well, before I was a diehard Striper fan, but Guns N' Roses was my band. Uh, They were the band. I mean, I grew up, uh, my brother, my older brother was a big uh, Judas Priest, Iron Maiden, and Kiss fan, and Van Halen. So I used to, so I was fami- way familiar with metal, but it wasn't until I heard Appetite for Destruction for the first time that I became a full-fledged 
you know, metalhead, hard rock fan. Um, and I didn't get introduced to, to Striper until 1989. And in all honesty, I mean, I love Striper's music from the beginning, but they were always just kind of like every other band for me. They didn't become a real favorite band of mine until really, honestly, about five, six years ago. And that's when and something else we, we would talk about and why I do this podcast. It doesn't matter. I always say it doesn't matter what color you are, what where you live in the world, what religion you are. We all meet here because we like Guns N' Roses, and this is an example yeah. of that. So, you know, we would talk about, you know, your, your faith and maybe my, my lack thereof. But we, we always had, uh, you know, a, a common bond with metal, and we always had a good dialogue. Uh, there was never any... You know, issues. It was just, hey, this is what you believe in. You're a good person. This is what you believe in. You're a good person. Cool. And you really, because all I knew of being a Jew was, hey, Striper, that band that threw Bibles. I just didn't know (laughs) anything about them. And you really educated me on them. Uh, It's it's, so I I appreciate because I guess you being a little older, you know, a little wiser. But I, I, I wrote them off. And the fact that they're still... Making new music in 2019 is is incredible. That, yeah, well, that for a band like that, I mean, I don't. Well, I shouldn't even say that because Christian movies do really well, and and if you read the radio trades, Christian uh, stations are being like all these rock stations are being bought up and being turned into Christian stations. So you guys are taking over yeah. a little bit. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's that's kind. Of, hopefully, that's part of God's plan. But uh, <laughs> you know, listen, I I became a Christian in 2007. Um, you know, I got my first introduction to Striper in 1989. A friend of mine who at the time was sort of dabbling in Christianity, and I say that because I'm still friends with him to this day, and he's not a practicing Christian. Um, but he introduced me to him. Uh, he said that he had given his life to Jesus, and uh, he told me, you know, he he kind of convinced me to also, you know, put my faith in Jesus, which I did. But in all honesty, it didn't stick. Just like with him, it didn't stick. It didn't stick with me either, because you know we were fourteen-year-old kids. We didn't know any better. Um, we were just, you know, you know, we mostly cared about partying and having a good time. Uh, but the difference between me and him, and I say this with respect to him, is um, it took root in me. Um, the message that he had revealed to me took root in me, and over the next eighteen years, it always stuck in my mind um, what Striper represented. Um, and in 2007, when I became a Christian, I still, you know, was always listening to them, but I was more of a fan of Against the Law, uh, which came out in 1990, which wasn't the most, it was kind of like their, it was kind of like Striper's rebellious album. I mean, it wasn't a, you know, screw God album, but it was basically Striper had taken a beating in the press for a long time about their beliefs and, you know, from Christians, not just from people who weren't Christians. They got, they took beatings from, you know, past, uh, from Jimmy Swaggart. Uh, who called them wolves in sheep clothing. People used to uh, pick at their concerts, and people who were Christians used to pick at their concerts and tell people uh, whoever listened to their music was going to go to hell, basically. <laughs> so after years of that happening, Striper finally pretty much was pissed off in 1990, and they put out an album called Against the Law. And it wasn't against God's laws, it was against the hypocrite, the hypocrisy of all the so-called Christians calling them wolves in sheep's clothing. You know, it goes to show you that it doesn't matter what sect in life, you're always going to find the haters or people who don't, you know, your beliefs aren't good enough for them. And this is what we talk about, of course, with, with Guns N' Roses. Like, what I've start, when I started doing this podcast, I had no idea how crazy the fan base was, that people would get into fights over 
what you know musicians better, what album, you know what a reunion should be. All it's it's weird, and you know when we talk about Striper, the fact that yeah, Gene R had their their ups, their downs. Obviously, they they you know disappeared, but Striper has, despite everything, have has stuck it through and, and and continued to put out material. So you know it's something I, I always admire, and the music is good. Um, you know, as we'll we'll, um, we'll discuss with Michael, because I'll be very open and honest it, that I really I knew of them, of course, of being uh, a fan of eighties metal, but I just never I, I never gave it its proper due because of all the the outside noise telling me. Yeah. Uh, but until well, you know, you showed me the light, uh, Pastor Tony. <laughs> I showed you the light. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, I mean, you're not the you're not the first person to do that. Striper, unfortunately has been put into a box for years. I mean, to this day, when I tell people I'm a Striper fan, I kind of cringe at what their reaction is going to be because it's, they usually kind of look at me like that, that, that Christian band from the 80s that dressed in the bumble. Because that's how they're dismissed. They're dismissed. The Striper is put into three categories. The Christian band, the band who wore the yellow and black spandex, the bumblebee outfit, mm-hmm. or a hair metal band. So, I mean, hair metal, unfortunately, is looked down upon a lot of times. The term hair metal is actually a derogatory term. Um, that was used to marginalize that music. So if you um, you take Striper that was categorized as a hair band, uh, wore yellow and black bumblebee outfits, and as a Christian band, I mean they they've been taking hits and getting beat up since day one. And you know, people when I tell people to this day that I'm a Striper fan, they look at me kind of weird, and I'm just like, hey man, you know, I mean, look beyond. Well, first of all, they're not the same band they were in the '80s. They're a be- they're such a better band now. They're you know. The calling on yous and the you know the freeze and the honestlys have melted away to songs like lost and take it to the cross and Yahweh and sorry and fallen and the valley. I mean they're just they're a heavier band now. They're more their music is now more closer to like a Judas Priest Iron Maiden in this day uh, than it was back in the '80s when they would have been compared with like a Motley Crue or a Poison or a Warrant. Uh, but they've taken their beatings over the year, man. And I just but to me they're great musicians and obviously being a Christian their music means a lot uh, their message and their music means a lot to me but i mean even that didn't really start taking root until 2013 when they put out second coming which was basically a re-recording of all their music uh but it was just the the re-recordings of some of their older songs were so far superior than the original recordings it was almost like a debut album for them and then they came out with no more hell of Pang and fallen and goddamn evil their new album and it was just like it was almost like i discovered a new band they put out four fantastic albums, and it, obviously the music and the message just resonated with me, you know, considering my faith background, and I've been a diehard fan ever since. Hey, your passion is what got to me, and it's why I invited you on to, to co-host this, and, you know, it, again, it just makes me think of all the parallels to, to Guns N' Roses, of course, and, you know, what the music means to people, but, you know, Axl Rose, I mean, I, I can't uh, tell someone else how to live his life or... Uh, tell someone what to do essentially, but I wish he was as tangible as Michael Sweet is. So that's something that yeah. I, I want to talk about. Like, what? Why does he have this approach when you might see, you know, a lot of bands from that era, especially a frontman? Uh, they don't. I don't know. They don't. They don't share their message. They don't communicate with fans as much as as Michael does. So, you know, just one of the the ways that I want this podcast to go. Uh, we've talked about depression and in uh, mental health. So let's go the religious route this episode. And so again, all, all stemming from GNR, all the six degrees. 
So uh, you ready? I believe Michael's calling right now. Yeah, let's do it, man. Hey, Michael, you there? Yes. Hey, Michael, this is uh, Brando from Appetite for Distortion. I appreciate you calling How you doing, up. man? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. And I never thought I would be on the phone with you because I was just talking to my, my co-host for this, uh, this episode. Uh, a former co-worker of mine used to work at iHeartRadio. Now he works for toys right. and doing fun stuff. But he would, like, every day, like, when I first came here three years ago, I have, like, a Guns N' Roses t-shirt on every day. Him, it was, what was it, like, th- it was three. It was either Striper, Kiss, or Maiden, like, every day. And we just got to talking about music, and I'm like, how would I start this conversation? And in addition, just thanking you for your time, because I, I know you're, you're super busy. Uh, oh, hey, man, no problem at all. And that's pretty awesome, though. I like the Striper, uh, Kiss, and, and Maiden lineup. That would have been a, a great tour right there. I mean, <laughs> yes, they say it's Kiss's last tour, but you never know what may happen in the future, I guess. But- yeah, it, it's hard It's hard to believe, I mean, not just with Kiss, but with anybody, uh, because we've all seen <clears throat> people do farewell tours and they come back and they do it again, which is fine. I understand. I get it. But... Striper will try uh, very hard not to ever call it a farewell tour unless it really is a farewell tour. Uh, but yeah, you know, if, if you if you're still breathing, there's always a chance, right? Absolutely. Well, I guess you could say, you know, to Michael Jackson's estate or Prince's estate, you can, can still come out with new music. But I guess you're not there to enjoy it in the uh, in the human form. Exactly. Uh-huh. Yeah, and, and now they're doing the hologram thing, and it, it, we live in we live in interesting times. Sure. <laughs> yes, we do. Yes, we do. <laughs> so the point being, because you're still a young guy, Michael, and I, I, I thought I don't know why I thought you were, because um, a lot of people from that era may be in their their sixties, but you're still uh, strong in fifties, which is of course the new forty. I don't know where I'm going with this, but it, it, well, it is. I'm fifty five, going to be fifty six in July, and I, I guess by some standards, that's getting up there. But you know, by others, uh, I'm I still feel young. I I try to take care of myself. I have a young heart, a young mind. Uh, I stay active. I'm still putting out music and still touring. So right. I think music helps keep me young for sure. Right, and and that's what made me think of it. Talking about all the older bands that are still doing it with maybe a hologram, but. Uh, my co-host Tony Grader, who's on the line, he would just—he really educated me on Striper, because I grew up, you know, Guns N' Roses fan as far as that era, uh, Poison, Motley Crue, never disliking Striper, but and I admit, and I, I now apologize after becoming friends with Tony, dismissed it because I would see all those VH1 top. 100 moments in rock and he would just be striper throwing out bibles and that's just what i and i grew up jewish so i'm like okay maybe this band doesn't have anything for me but tony tony schooled me and not only that you're still making new music like you just said it's it's unbelievable that's that's the that's the perception by uh, a lot of people is you know they the christian term and the christian tag and with that comes expectations or and or uh you know a, a closed-mindedness to what we do and who we are because, you know, a lot of people think, like, ah, you know, I don't want to hear that, or ah, that's not what I am, or what does that have to do with metal, or blah, 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 blah. And, you know, first and foremost, we're, we're a hard rock slash metal band who just so happens to have, you know, committed their lives to God and uh, decided to take a different path than most other metal bands, or actually all other metal bands. Um uh, but I mean, we're still still a metal band. You come see us. You're not gonna you're not gonna see four guys come out and sit on stools with Bibles and start preaching to you. 
it's it's not what we are. We're you come and see a striper show. It's like going to see a Priest show or a, or a Van Halen show or a Maiden show or whatever. It's a rock and roll show. Um, we throw out Bibles because we've been doing that from the very beginning, and um, you know we hope people take them home and read them. But you know it's a it's a little souvenir for people and keepsake. But again, man, it's striper loves music we grew up on on rock and roll and music's in our blood and that's who we are that's what we do and and that's what tony brought he, he i was shown the light of striper i mean tony what because you you kind of changed your your musical taste so what brought you to striper and now that you're you're talking to the man that you've I don't know. I feel like I know Michael based upon what Tony has told me at this point, which is so weird. Well, I think I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure that Michael knows who I am. Michael, you are. Uh, um, I am a very active uh, fan on your uh, pages. Um, you, you, uh, it's good to talk. Is to this Mr. Grader? Mr. Grader. This is. Yeah, this is the one yes. whose favorite song is "The Calling Off of Fallen" that I had a private conversation with you on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, we'll we'll I'll always uh, agree to disagree with with uh, with people about their favorite songs. Yeah, <laughs> but that, that's a good song, but not not the best song on the album by no means. But yeah, hey, whatever. <laughs> it's not the best song on the album by far. It's just one of my, and it's not even my favorite. It's just one of my personal favorites. Um, I just love the riff. I love the solo. Um, but anyway, so to get into what Brandon, Brandon was talking about. Um, I became a Striper fan actually in 1989, Brandon. Um, my friend uh, Scott, who at the time um, was kind of, uh, I, the word I'm going to use here is dabbling in Christianity because, mm -hmm. you know, he supposedly gave his life to God, but he's never, he never really stuck with it. But he told me about Striper and I listened to them and I love their music right away. Um, and, you know, I made I had made the commitment to God, but it didn't really stick. I was, you know, a fourteen year old kid, and I was more concerned about partying and stuff like that. But I still always listened to Striper, and um, when Against the Law came out, which is another one of Michael's favorite albums, <laughs> um, and I say that somewhat sarcastically, but I mean, great album. But obviously, it took it away from the Striper sound. But I related to that album a lot, maybe because I wasn't exactly a Christian just yet. But anyway, to make a long story short. 1989 was when I became a fan when I first heard Striper's message. Fast forward to 2007 when I became a Christian. Uh, but it wasn't until 2013 that Striper, when Striper released Second Coming that their music really started to have a very serious impact on my own personal walk with God. And I guess that brings me to my first question, um, Michael. Uh, how do you keep the message? Because I, I, your message didn't really start taking root in me until 2013. Um, and now it's become like one of the primary influences of my walk with God outside of the Bible. How do you keep the message of Striper fresh after all these years without compromising it? Well, I mean, I think the key is staying true to the message itself. You know, the message is never going to get stale or get old. True. You know, being the message of God, the Bible. It's always going to have, anytime you can read the Bible a thousand times, and you're going to find new things in it every time you read it. Uh, and that's just the way it works. It's never ending. And it has all the answers to life in it, in, in my opinion. You know, we, we're always trying to find the answers to life, and they're all in there. You know, um, and it, it's just it, it's it's the greatest book ever, ever written, ever sold, ever told, you know, everything. And I'm sure some would argue with me on that and disagree with me on that. And that's fine. But, uh, you know, we just try to stay true to that to what the word says what the bible says and but without doing so in a preachy way without 
you know, I, I don't know if you guys know what I'm referring to, but when you when you listen to some Christian uh, bands or Christian music, sometimes you you feel as though you're being preached at uh, without yeah. naming names. It's like it, it's like oh man, it's almost uncomfortable sometimes. Striper tries not to do that. You know, I, I mean, with lyrics like, you know, Jesus is the way or uh, more than a man, you know, God, I will follow you because you died for me, gave to me your life to set yeah. me free. You know, some people might think that's preaching, but I think we do it in a way where it's still rocking and the listener doesn't feel like they're being preached at. See, I I, yeah, no, I appreciate that. As someone who, and this is what, what Tony and I, we would get into these deep discussions where, I, I wish I had that that kind of faith, whether, you know, yes, I grew up Jewish, but any sort of, in any religion, I, I'm more of the Seinfeld Jewish. Uh, after I was bar mitzvah, the rest of it just went out the window. But I try to live a, right, right. a good life. You know, I've, I haven't had a drink in three years. I, I'm, I'm very a, a big advocate of mental health and going to therapy. So that's how, you know, whatever sets you on that right path, I'm a fan right. of. You know, and that's why I always said to Tony, I'm like, as long as you're a good person, which you are, it doesn't matter. You know, you're, hurt, uh, you're not hurting yourself, you're not hurting anybody else. It doesn't matter. And like you, you, you mentioned, Mike, the, the music isn't preaching. That's why someone like me or anybody who may not be a, a Christian or religious will enjoy it regardless. And I think that's and, and the fact that you have a message in your band and many bands, they kind of. I don't know, they leave it up for interpretation, religious or not. Do you, do you prefer maybe leaving some ambiguity to it? Or do you like letting I mean, people know what do. you're about? We do on some songs. You know, there, there are a few songs that we've done over the years, song like Calling On You or Honestly, where it could either be taken uh, from a, a, a religious point of view or spiritual point of view, or it could be taken uh, in a, just a, a relationship, love, uh, you know, viewpoint. It, it, it's we've done that over the years, but I mean, because of who we are, I think most people know what we're referring to. Um, but you know, it comes down to love. I mean, our message is love, mm. and um, it, it, that's the key to life: is is loving people, loving yourself, taking care of yourself, loving your family, loving your friends, loving your neighbors, uh, and expressing that. And sharing that and passing that around and passing that on instead of hate. Uh, sadly, a lot of bands sing about hate. Yeah. And they sing about dark, evil garbage, and they think that it's as metal as all get out, when that really has nothing to do with metal. Yeah. I mean, well, I like you know, hate is, hate is not metal. It, no, that's, that's part of like the... Rebellion, uh... Angst and rebellion and, and anger and, and hatred and separation and, 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 and trying to just spew all this vile garbage, that has nothing to do with metal. Uh, and, and we hear the opposite all the time, that Christianity has nothing to do with metal. And the way I, I like to express that and explain that is, I believe God created all things, so therefore God created metal. Yeah, God so created Dio. He's, he's the creator. The devil's not the creator. You know, he's a creation. He's in, uh, God's the creator. So that's that's why we chose this path and we figured we'd go with the highest we'd go right to the highest man you know mm. you know I, I, nothing something else that tony and i uh you funny we would discuss is you know how my favorite band is uh is gnr and axel rose and he he rarely talks and i had a specific episode <laughs> about uh mental health and and depression and seeing where and I don't know if you met any of, of whether it be Axe or any of the guys but seeing how where 
uh, Duff has gone through. He's been a little bit more vocal as far as how to get better, how to be on a good path. Uh, Slash a little bit here and there, but I feel like it would be such a service if Axl Rose, you know, someone of that magnitude said, you know, you saw me jumping off stages back in the 80s, now I'm smiling on stage. But then we have Michael Sweet, who's really, well, your last name says it all, not to be corny. You're you're sweet and nice. You you know who Tony is. You, You know, you're very active on Twitter. I mean, it's not many front men give that. It's especially someone who's been around as long as you. Well, you know, I'm a people person. Uh, I'm a private person. I can be a bit of a recluse, but when I am around people, I, I love people. I love to talk with people. I love to share with people. And I, I love people. And social media is a, a forum to to express that and to help people. You know, I jump all over. If someone is in need of help, I'll uh, retweet it or or you know, reach out to them through a private message or whatever. And I'm all about that. It's a great way to do that, to help people. Um, and that's the, the way I view it. It, it. And I feel like I'm accountable. Uh, you know, I've got uh, an accountability uh, that's as as a person in the spotlight, that's very important. Do I want to waste that or do I want to take it and use it uh, to the best of my abilities to try to inspire, encourage, and help people? Because in the end, when I am taking my last breath, I want to be able to look back on my life, my legacy, and be able to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Not like, what a waste. Do you feel a lot of people are wasting? Go ahead, Tony. Go ahead. What were you going to ask? No, no, no. I'm I'm sorry. I didn't mean to jump in. I was just kind of going to use that as a segue, um, uh, Michael, about how you talk about how you do all you can to help people. One way um, I think a lot of uh, people could be helped, um, I happen to be holding in my hand the new Striper uh, devotional book, 53.5, which is just, it's basically taking all the Stripers, uh, 53 Striper songs, um, and being interpreted by uh, Pastor Joe um, Amaral. Is that how you pronounce his last name? Yes, Joe, Joe Amaral. Yep. Yeah, Joe Amaral. You got that, that, that's uh, Striper's road pastor. He basically took uh, 53 Striper songs and basically put um, interpreted them of what he feel it means in God's word. Um, that's something that absolutely could help people out there. Um, oh yeah, that's something that you guys, no doubt. That's really cool. That's really yeah. unique. Was this something that it you guys? had on your mind for a while like how did this project even uh come into into being well believe it or not that was joe's idea was to do a, a mm. devotional well lisa lisa my wife who manages us and, and joe kind of worked together on that and, and pushing that through and joe actually wrote that you know he put all that together joe joe and his wife karen mm. and uh, they did an amazing job uh and, but that's the stuff that excites us you know instead of always just hey buy my music or hey Buy our T-shirts, you know, giving people something more Mm. that is maybe going to help them through their day, help them through their lives or through a situation. Now, see, that's a big deal. Agreed. That's that's a really big deal. And that that makes me excited. And uh, we try to do that. That's why we throw out Bibles. That's why we, we do things a little differently. You know, uh, and try not to keep it to just the cliches of of the music industry of, of T-shirts and and albums and music, but to take it a step further. Like we're doing a documentary. Mm. You know, I know Motley Crue. Motley Crue has a documentary. It's almost out, and they're running trailers for it. You've seen it everywhere. Yeah, the dirt. It's about the it's about the band, which is fine. That's pretty much what every documentary is about. We're doing a documentary as well, uh, and it's going to be a big deal. 
And it's going to be about the band, but even more so, it's going to be about the people that the band has helped. Uh, the lives that have been changed over the past 35 years because of the band and the band's message. Now, see, that's much more important than a documentary about the band, in my opinion. And that's a documentary I'm very excited about. I've been hearing about it from you guys for a while. Um, where are you guys? Because uh, I know you said it's going to take like two, three years for it to be completed. Um, how 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 far into it do you guys think you guys think you're halfway done, a quarter of the way done? Oh, geez, I wouldn't even say that. I would, I would say maybe like one-tenth of the way done. Okay. I mean, we've, we've got so much. We haven't really dove into it. You know, we have captured some footage and done some interview stuff and, and done little things. But we've got to really get into it. With uh, We're going to interview a lot of different people, uh, celebrities, non-celebrities, musicians, uh, people, again, uh, who have been affected by the band, you know, people that were once drug addicts or suicidal or okay. alcoholics who are now pa- pastors of, of uh, mega churches, uh, you know, things like that. It's going to be pretty power. It's going to be powerful. If it doesn't make people shed a tear by the end of the documentary, then uh, I don't I don't know what to say. You know, <laughs> I, I think that's a, I like that approach. Uh, because you're right, uh, The Dirt, obviously based upon th- their book, which is just, you know, uh, entertainment value and, and seeing the debauchery yeah. of that era. Uh, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody was, you know, I, I enjoyed it very much, but it was kind of like a Wikipedia cliff notes of their career. Uh, yeah. And you could take whatever inspiration you want out of it. But to actually right. sit down and, and talk to the people that you've affected, I don't know exactly. that if that's ever been done. Because... Uh, I mean, so many. That feels like that's a missed opportunity by a lot of bands. But I guess you might be the right one to to start that trend. I thought that was just going to be a trend of classic rock documentaries, but you could be starting another one as far as the effect well, it, you have. It's a different approach, and it's 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 the approach that means everything to us. Like again, anyone can do a documentary, and there's there's hundreds of them out there, and they're all kind of the same. Yeah. Right. Right. You drug, sex, rock and roll. You have a uh, a climax. You have uh, you know the bands broke up or the bands now making new music, but never to sit down with the fans or seeing people. You know exactly. how their their lives changed. Like I, I've never exactly. seen that. Yeah. And it's going to be powerful, really powerful. When it's all said and done, it's going to be extremely powerful. And see that, in my opinion, is so much cooler because. That's something that can continue to change lives, not just the story about the band. It's like, I mean, who really cares? I mean, and I don't mean that in a mean way. I just mean, yeah, I've watched documentaries and it's interesting. You watch it and it's like, oh, that was cool. But does it live on and make me want to go out the next day and and do better things? Hmm. No. (laughs) It's just kind of like, oh, okay, that was interesting. Uh, And that's the end of it. You know, this will hopefully be a documentary that will live on and encourage and inspire people for years to come. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. Well, I, I know it's early on in the stages, but I'll, I'll tell you, and I know we're, we don't have a lot of time with you, but obviously we could talk to you for a long time. I remember Nikki Six was my maybe my second radio interview ever, and it was right before his band 6 a.m. Uh, came out, and we were talking about the movie coming out. And here we are. Ah the trailer just being released. So I guess all good things come to those uh, who wait, but we don't have to, 
we don't have to wait for to see. Like, tell us what's going on. Like, to see Striper, to hear new uh, Striper music. Uh, what's what's oh, going man. on uh, with you guys t- currently? Gosh, there's so much. We're so blessed. I mean, you know, we've got uh, we, we wrapped up a, a a lot of touring last year. We just got back from Japan a few weeks ago, uh, and uh, we I'm working on a new solo album right now. <clears throat> I just finished basic tracking. Uh, and I got to sing the songs over the next uh, three to four weeks, and then we go back and mix early April, and that'll be turned in. That'll come out on Rat Pack probably sometime in July, hopefully. Uh, Striper's going to start touring in May. We're going to tour throughout the year. We have a lot of dates that are going up on the calendar, and we're already planning out another Striper album. It's going to start uh, taking shape by the end of this year or early next year. So solo album this year, Striper album will be released next year. We're going to be working on the documentary throughout this year and next year. Hopefully it'll come out in 2021, which is what we're shooting for. We're going live with that soon in terms of a, a you know, a press release and a website and everything about that documentary. Uh, and then I've got some other projects in the works that I, I can't really talk about right now, but uh, I'm always doing something, man. And um you know, I'm just I'm just thrilled to be be able to still record in this uh, what seems to be a very difficult music world these days for artists like myself from, mm. from my genre, from my era. Uh, it, it's a tough world, man. But I'm able to still do it. I figured out a way to do it. I'm blessed to be able to still record and, and tour, man. I, I I thank God for it. Mm. Uh, I have one last question. Go ahead, Tony, and I'll ask my last question oh. after. Sorry, I was going to say, Michael, uh, this, up, this upcoming Striper album, obviously, will be the first with Perry Richardson. Um, and he's been in the band for well over a year now. In fact, we're actually approaching the one-year anniversary of his first live show. For me, it feels like he's been in the band forever because he's such a natural fit. Can you just kind of talk briefly about what Perry has brought to this band, both from a talent uh, standpoint and from a personal perspective? Yeah, well, it's a beautiful thing. First and foremost, we, we all know how talented Perry is. You know, he obviously he came from the band Firehouse, and he's one of the best vocalists uh, in the business in terms of harmonizing and, and background vocals, and uh, and one of the best bass players in the business. He's a real solid in the pocket player. He's a fantastic voice. Our, our bass playing, the rhythm section for our band, and the vocals have gone up ten notches. Yeah. Some people might go, "What? You know, how can he say that?" Well, I can say that because it's true. I've seen I've seen you guys since Perry's been in the band, and I would not argue with that uh, for a it, It's 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 true. Anybody that would anybody that would argue with that hasn't seen or heard Perry play. Hmm. It, it's as simple it's as that. Once you hear him, once you hear him and see him and meet him, any anyone will say absolutely. Michael's right, and I am right. It's really stepped up. <laughs> And then second, and, and what's equally as important, maybe even more important, is as a human being, uh, he's probably one of the sweetest guys I've ever met. Uh, he's a team player. He is just a good, loving, sweet guy. He's always got a smile on his face, and that spreads. He's very happy here, and that spreads. People see that he's happy here. They don't look up on stage and see someone that's miserable that's unhappy that's uh you know just not not 
enjoying being in the band. I mean, Perry loves being in this band, and he says it all the time. He's, he's thankful to be in this band. And, you know, that goes a long way, too. That's, that's a really great thing to have. So he's brought peace to the band, musically and spiritually, emotionally. He's brought peace to the band. Phenomenal stuff. That's what it's, that's what it's all yeah. about, peace. And, and that's why, you know, why... Again, all the conversations Tony and I have had, uh, you know, I miss him here being a coworker, but it doesn't matter the religious background as long as there's a common understanding of what a good person is. And, and that's what I get from, from you, Michael. So it's fun. And uh, this will be my last question. And Tony, I don't know if you remember this. I remember one time I, I cursed in front of you and I stopped myself. I was like, oh, oh wait, wait, you're religious. And, you're, and you said you didn't care and you appreciated, though that uh, yeah. I did that. So uh, I'm curious, Michael, and I, uh, I'll get Tony's reaction after. Um, what do you think? <laughs> like, if, I, if I'm wearing, like, the Guns N' Roses Appetite for Destruction cross, is that offensive? Is that offensive? No. Okay. No. Because you were saying before. No, and I mean, it might even offend you if you go to dinner with me, uh, and we, if we all went to dinner, and uh, you, you saw me drink, drink a bourbon and, and, and drop an F-bomb. <laughs> okay, <laughs> You might be going, oh, excuse me? But, you know, here's here's the key. Here's the key to that is being real. So, in other words, I, I, I have pastor friends while we're praying who have dropped F-bombs. I mean, in the end, they're just words, I'd like to think. Exactly. They're they're just showing their emotion. They're, you know, Lord, please, God, you know, I don't want to f and God. I mean, and and I'm and, and and did that offend me? Not at all. You know why it didn't offend me? Because they're being real. Yeah. Okay. They're 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 not trying to be something just for Michael Sweet. They're not trying to put up a, a this fake facade. They're 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 just being themselves, and that's what God wants from all of us. You know, he wants us to be real and come to him with a real heart. And all those other little things that might be wrong, you know, dropping too many F-bombs or, you know, smoking too many cigarettes or, uh, you know, having whatever else you have in your life that is a, a hindrance or a crutch, you know, God will work that through and help you work that through. But it's not about one word here or, or one one beer there. That's not what it's about. Okay. Because uh, you had mentioned before, in addition to that, when, you know, how metal had to be evil. Some people think that, or it has to be a certain way. And the cross has become, for some bands, a, a symbol, not necessarily, yeah. necessarily religious. So I didn't know if that offended you as a Christian metal act at all, and obviously including... No, it, it, okay. it doesn't, man, because... In, in, I I try to have an open mind. I mean, I, we, cool. Cypher has been beat up and taken heat over the years for so many things. And because of that, I've, my heart's very open and I'm, I have an open mind. I've sat down and talked to hugged and interviewed with Satanist. And, and they're sitting there with all their striper albums and they're uh, a, a big fan. And the guy's the head of the satanic church in, in Sweden and, and, or in New York city. And I've sat down and talked and interviewed with him and, and gave him a hug, and we've laughed together. I, I don't judge anybody, man. I, I just did two albums with George Lynch, who's a proclaimed, uh, pronounced atheist. Right on. And I will say this, though. Uh, you interviewing a Satanist is pretty metal. That's a pretty metal thing to do. <laughs> 
Well, them interviewing me, but I mean, you know, look. Either I, way, it's a mental right situation. He's right there in the front row singing the words to every Striper song and <laughs> wearing a big pentagram. Okay. And, and and he's a Satanist, and I'm just sitting there going, okay, this is interesting. But, you know, how cool <laughs> is that? Yeah. Hey. I mean, I just think that just speaks to Striper, to, to what Striper means to people. I mean, you know, you don't have to be a Christian just to listen to Striper. I mean, about 70, I, I think I read something the other day, a, a, a good 65 to 75% of Striper fans are probably not Christians or not religious at all. And it just, it's all about like good music. And you guys, you know, are phenomenal musicians. And I mean, you keep yourselves in great shape. You still sound great in concert. I've seen you guys five times. I'm number six is coming up in May and I'm looking forward to it. Well, wait till you see us on number six, buddy. You're not going to believe it. We've lost our hair. We, we put on 20, 30, 40, 50 pounds a piece. Uh, like you did for the last time I saw you, right? Yeah, man. We're just going to run. We're going to put a CD in and just play to it. And you'll change your name to I, Slumber or something like that? Slumber. <laughs> that, was, that was an average joke, but I appreciate you guys laughing. <laughs> well, Michael, I mean, this really was a pleasure, and I appreciate the time that you've given us. Um, please, you're, you're always welcome back here to, you know, on the Appetite for Distortion show. Yeah, GNR is our right. nucleus, but this is what... You know what I like to uh, to craft that it can take us to a conversation about religion and talking to Michael Sweet. Even uh, so, that's what I try to do. That's my message. So I, I can just appreciate your time and uh, and thank you. I appreciate it, man. All the best to you guys, Tony. Great to hear your voice, brother, and see you online all the time. And you guys come out and see us, man. And uh, you know, let's do it again. We'll be ta- hopefully we'll talk for the uh, solo album coming up soon. Absolutely. And anytime yeah. you're in uh, NYC, I would love to have you in studio. We're going to be in uh, New York City very soon. Okay, so Tony, we might, year. we might have to work that out, Tony. Get get Michael in, yeah, uh, in the studio. Yeah, I take the day off and come in. For a <laughs> come back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, so <laughs> until then, I hope so. All right, guys. Hey, look, it. have a good one. God bless. And uh, I will talk to you soon. You too. Have a great day, Michael. Okay, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. Michael. See you in May. Bye-bye. So that was that was cool, Tony. I I, I didn't know what to expect, but I guess I, I should have because, as I said to Michael, I feel like I know the guy just being friends with you. You know, how professional he is and how well-spoken he is and how passionate and how honest and down, down to earth. That's why it never bothered me because you're like, oh, is it okay if I ask some religious questions? Like, I don't care. I mean, as long as the person is <laughs> giving an honest answer and like how he says they're not preachy about it, you get your message across. That's cool. We all have different messages. I know even messages that I put across. I'm like, why would anyone listen to me? I'm crazy. <laughs> so, but what did well, you think? Good, I thought the interview went great, man. Um, I've talked to Michael. I met Michael a few times uh, in meet and greets, and I've talked to him online a few times. Uh, via private message. I'm a moderator on a couple of the Striper fan pages, so, I mean, he's well familiar with me. He was like, oh, Tony. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yes, the uh, restraining order. I'm the guy guy a lot of times who causes a lot of trouble on his board, basically, (laughs) because when every once in a while you'll have a fan that'll come on and basically start calling them out, saying that they're hypocrites, that they don't believe what they, you know, what they preach, what, what they sing about, and yada, yada, yada. And I'm just like, you know, how dare you, blah, blah, blah. You know, so I, I sometimes cause a little bit of trouble. How but I, mean, you? I like to think for the most part, I, I've actually kind of calmed down a little bit just because now I'm a moderator. I wasn't a moderator when I used to do that. Now that I'm a admin on some of the boards, I tried to tone it down and take more of a leadership role. But mm-hmm. I, I, I think without trying to sound egotistical, 
they they know who I am and they appreciate. Okay. I, I've been told that they appreciate what I do for the band, and I'm not trying to put myself up on some pedestal, but I do defend the band a lot. I promote them. I try and promote them as much as I possibly can. And you know, yeah, I thought the interview went great. He's a very down to earth guy, um, and I, you know, basically felt like I was talking to my best friend. And hmm. you know, and that's been the same thing with him every time I've talked. I, I thought the interview went great. That's awesome. I was looking forward to it, not just to talk to him, but just to talk to him with you, because I always see you putting uh, pictures up on your Instagram of your kids in the striper onesies and socks. Mm-hmm. and Striper shirts, yep. yep. Yeah, all, all these things. So not, it, it was very cool, and again, just to, to parallel it to, to GNR, just to have that kind of conversation, you know, yeah. because people often wonder, what does Axel believe? And I really appreciate that we have someone... Who gives that? Who's really sticking to his convictions? And uh, to parallel what you do, I, I see it all the time in all these Guns and Roses Facebook pages. Some of the moderators or admins are just like w- way over the top. Like they act like they have some. They they have like ownership of the band, and it's it's too yeah. far. But you seem to have the right approach where you you, you do have to take a step back and, and and realize and you know the world that we live in that. Look how long Striper has been doing it. You would think people would get their message by now. But with all the body work that they have, and people, if they, if they still don't get it by now, they're never going to get it. And, and that, that sucks, but uh, I don't envy you. I don't think I, a podcast is enough. I can never moderate a GNR page. I would never do that. <laughs> yeah, and, and you make a lot of sense with what you said about how a lot of people still don't get Striper's message. I mean, the perfect example was this last album. I mean... The, the, when the album first came out, I mean, it, it it turned some heads because I mean, if you're a Christian, the words God and damn don't go together. <laughs> I mean, you know. No, I wouldn't say that around you. Word. Yeah, oh, which I appreciate, and, it, and in all honesty, I mean, you know, with the one time that you did and you apologized to me, I appreciated it so much. But, I mean, let's put it this way, the environment I work in now, that's pretty much all they say. Oh, yeah, you're <laughs> And right. I cringe when they say it. It's unfortunate, but that's okay. But, I mean, the words God and damn don't go together. If you're a Christian, it's considered blasphemous, it's considered taking God's name in vain. But Striper, but the, the, the thing that people were missing is when that word is used as a swear word, it's the, it's together. The, the two words are together, it's usually not um, capitalized, and it's just said in anger. With this album title, God, Space, Damn, Evil, basically this album, the, the title of this album is a prayer to God, a prayer request to God to, to damn all the evil that's happening in the world. And if you look at the album cover for Goddamn Evil, you can tell, you can see exactly, it's a picture of God basically bringing judgment down on the world, and you see a lot of sins represented in the artwork. I didn't just see this title and just say to myself, oh, yeah, it's Striper, it's okay, it's cool, I get it. No, I sat there, I, I looked at the album artwork, I, um, when, he, when he put out, when Michael put out the lyrics for the song, for the title track, I read the lyrics, and I looked at some of the other songs on the album, like Lost and The, the Valley and Take It to the Cross, and own up, and the message was very clear to me right away what the album was supposed to be about. Unfortunately, a lot of people, and this includes Christians, were not uh, getting it. And after a while, some, some, some of the people initially who didn't get it did start to get it and understand it. It took some time, but some people pretty much refused to, refused to understand it. And Michael has said it a million times, and you said it a couple of uh, minutes ago, um, so if you don't get it by now, you're never going to get it. A lot of people 
don't get Striper's music because they either don't want to or just simply can't. And you know, there's verses in the Bible that talk in the Bible in the Bible that talks about God basically putting blinders over the eyes of unbelievers. That might have something to do with it. So mm. that's just my thought on it. And, and that's how I, I feel about Chinese democracy. It's been out ten years. <laughs> if you don't get it by now, you don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. And. You know, you look at the title of Chinese Democracy, and it looks like an oxymoron, but, you know, maybe Axel had a deeper meaning behind that. <laughs> you know he did, and that's, why, again, why I appreciate, you know, everything that Michael does for his fan base, and, you know, he should create, he creates discussion. I mean, there are, again, there are going to be people who look at it and are never going to be happy, but we, Gene, our fans are are left up to this podcast <laughs> to put it all together and, and, and just fan sites, uh, you know, maybe in the future, as these guys just get older, they'll they'll put out. Uh, I mean, we, we we got a Duff book, we got a Slash book, an Adler book. Maybe one of these one of these days uh, in their eighties, we'll hear from Axel and and Izzy. Who, who who knows? Who knows? I mean, the fact. I mean, please. I mean, the fact that that some of them are still alive is a miracle. <laughs> I I know, I know, and that's why you know I, it was very a good cool surprise to hear Michael Sweet talk about a Striper movie because this is something I, I put up this. Uh, on, on our Facebook and Twitter, uh, facebook.com slash the AFD show and at the AFD show, I think The Dirt is going to be a huge hit. I saw that you uh, put it on your Facebook, so I know you're excited about it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, as I said to, to to Michael, I mean, I read the book and I don't read. <laughs> um, I read the book and I, um, I had to take a shower afterwards. Well, <laughs> yeah, but that book did everything. Did yeah, I mean, I laughed, I cried, uh, especially with like, some of the yeah. Vince Neil daughter stuff. So I'm looking forward to the yeah. movie. But, you know, then you have Bohemian Rhapsody, and I didn't see the trailer yet, but I, yeah. I, I don't know about the Elton John movie. The guy looks like too yeah. much like Scott Weiland. I have, to, I have to, like, sit down with no preconceived notion and actually give it a fair chance. So uh, the Elton John movie, which I'm sure will make money, and it's like yeah. you wouldn't know how much money a Guns N' Roses movie would make. I guess I I, I, I see like it's going to be the next phase, like, you know, the whole superhero movie phase. And Mm. I think that's starting to die down a little bit with all these shows being canceled off Netflix. I think Mm. there's going to be a rock star, you know, because we don't have the debaucherous days anymore. They're all gone. So we have to find it on Netflix to relive it somehow. So that's That's true, right? Mm. (laughs) Well, the funny thing is, I mean, you know. Uh, I mean, The Doors, you know, 20-plus years ago, 25 years ago, they came out with The Doors movie. I liked it. Um, and you, Yeah, I thought the movie was great. You would have thought that that would have led uh, to a whole bunch of, you know, to a trend of, you know, rock star movies. Uh, and it didn't exactly happen. But, yeah, maybe now um, with the Motley Crue movie coming out, with the Bohemian Rhapsody movie coming out, which I unfortunately have not seen yet myself, and I really do want to see because I love Queen, uh, and an Elton John movie coming out, maybe it will be. But, um as Michael said in the interview, it's it, the, the the documentary that they have coming out is going to be more than just a movie. It's going to be about you know how they've taught, how how you know the band has touched people's lives, and I think that's kind of a little bit more important. It'll be slightly by it'll be biographical, but it'll be more it'll be a combination. It'll focus more on what yeah. they've done for people's lives, and I think that's more important. I think the, uh, places like Netflix, and I've been seeing a lot of rock docs on uh, on Showtime. Uh, one of my uh, former guests, uh, Brian Head Welsh from from Corn, it was initially going to be a documentary about his return to Corn, but it became about him and his daughter and addiction and depression. And the, yeah, you enjoyed it if you're a Corn fan, but you you would enjoy it to learn, you know, about mental health and family. So that's how I see his what he described his vision to be for his movie. And now with Netflix, 
you know, I'm, I'm hoping. Maybe I'm just saying it to hope because I want to see more of what Anvil did. You know, because Anvil was, you know, around, but they didn't become a name until the documentary about them being around and not being a name. So I, I, I'm just hoping with these quick, these, these big catalysts that are coming out, these uh, blockbuster movies, uh, the, the crew thing going on Netflix, because if the guys are producing it, you know it has to be ridiculous. It, it, it's like the, the, I can't see them making any concessions on what they want to do, no. you know. No. So I, I'd like to think because you, you need to do that to have a proper rock and roll sunset sunset strip movie. So we'll see. Oh yeah. If GNR ever does anything, because they just have so much money waiting for them if they do more. <laughs> if they get, I hate to yeah. say it, but then you got Striper man who's who's continually doing it. So in a way, I'm kind of jealous that you know you're such a big Striper fan because you're constantly getting stuff. I get nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I say that facetiously a little good. bit, but yeah. But uh, so, yeah, nah, it's, all, it's all good, man. <laughs> but I appreciate uh, your time, Tony, because obviously we don't get to hang out as much, you being at work, but you escaped the stressful world of radio. So um, hopefully greener pastures and, you know, uh, I, I, I hate to say it. My Islanders are looking really good and your Rangers are looking really bad. Yeah, they are, man. Uh, you know, <laughs> I don't hate to say it. I'm uh, sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. You don't hate to say that at all. I, I never know, get I mean, to say that. No, it's all good. It's all, I mean, hey, yes, that's true. I mean, one playoff win since 1994, you haven't had a real chance to oh, say it. It's been a... <laughs> Man, be, to do it. Had to get it in there. being a Guns N' Roses and Islander fan, I'm like, I haven't gotten a lot in my lifetime. <laughs> I don't have a well, lot. It's funny because be, being a... Being a uh, um, a Striper fan, a Mets fan, and a Rangers fan, I've gotten beat up a lot in my life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor but us. I wouldn't change anything, man. Poor yeah, us. Know, yeah, right? me neither. But, but I wouldn't change anything, man. I, I, I'm passionate about my sports. I'm passionate about my music. Oh, and you also, you, you put out, before I let you go, sometimes you put out articles about a rock, about rock. Is, is that something you want to give out? Um, oh, um, I have written, a, yeah, well, I do write for two websites. Um, I write uh, a sports-based uh, website for a sports-based website uh, called cavesports.com. Uh, I think it's cavesports.com. Um, and that's basically, uh, I, I, write, uh, for the, I write articles uh, on the NHL. Um, it's not local. It's, I, I actually cover national stuff, so I don't just talk about it. Every once in a while I will put out an article on the Rangers, but I also try and do stuff around the league. Um, and I also write for uh, a website, and I haven't written for them in a while, uh, but it's called thedailyonion.com. And that's basically a, um, a site that covers everything. It covers music, it covers art, um, it covers faith, it covers politics, everything you can think of. And I've written a few articles for them. Uh, I wrote an article a few months ago about Kiss's Farewell Tour. I wrote a review on the Foo Fighters concert that I went to in July. And I did write a review on, uh, on Goddamn Evil when it first came out. Uh, but I've also written faith-based articles as well. And I also wrote a, an article on David Wright when he um, announced that he was going to be retiring. So, yeah, those are the websites out there. Um, like I said, I haven't written anything for Daily Onion in a long time. Uh, this new job, unfortunately, has cut my writing time in, in not, not just in half, in half and then a quarter. <laughs> uh, I'm lucky if I get the one article uh, for the sports out per week, but uh, I would like to try and see if I could dedicate more time to it, but um, yeah, thanks for giving me the opportunity to plug that. No, uh, uh, no of course, and I, I'm glad that we had the opportunity to do this together because I know you're, you're just a regular Joe, and a chance yeah. to, to interview somebody is someone is something that I like to do with my listeners. Um, I'm going to do that probably 
Uh, well, I am going to do it definitely for my Tommy Stinson uh, episode. So I want to say uh, congrats to Jenny, Jenna from, from Philly who's going to help me interview uh, Tommy Stinson. So whether it's a listener of the AFD show, whether you're an actual friend of me, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll make this is a fun journey. And again, this all has to tie in to Guns N' Roses some way, somehow. But we've been making it work for 106 episodes. Well, there you go. Brandon, I wish you a lot of success um, with all the episodes coming up, especially this one, because I'm on it. (laughs) All right, man. Take care. So that was one of the more unique interviews, I think. I haven't spoken that much religion about religion since I was bar mitzvahed, I think, and I didn't even know what I was talking about then. I just had to remember. That's all I remember now. It is what it is. But everything what I said about Tony and I, our conversations at work are, I'm sure, the same exact conversations you have with your friends at work. Just talking about rock and roll. Hey, I like this band more. Hey, I like this band. Hey, you, you like this band too? Cool. Well, what do you like about that band? This one, Striper happens to be religious. That's the only maybe different variable in this equation. So, you know, you had two major Guns N' Roses fans talking and I might tell him about some other music I'm listening to, and then he would tell me about Striper. And that's what led to this conversation, because as I've been saying throughout the entire episode, I can't help but think about, I mean, I do it all the time. I'm sure you do too, the parallels in life to Guns N' Roses. I mean, it, it's what I said with, and I still would like for it to happen. In uh, our most listened to episode, uh, our, the, our, our part three with Alan Niven, uh, we were talking about depression and religion and, excuse me, a depression and mental health, uh, that I think it would be huge to hear Axl Rose talk about it. I know it has a major effect when when Duff talks about it, when Susan, uh, when Susan Holmes McKagan talks about it, when Slash is talking about it. I, and, and Adler, thank God he's still alive. I mean, I, for me, I say thank God as an expression not to be ironic with the conversation that we just had. I guess now I can say that without the worry of being offensive, which clearly they wouldn't have been offended, but still, I digress. Uh, but just to to think about just the good that Michael was doing for his fans. Other bands could do the same thing. Again, they don't have to be necessarily religious to do that, but to be very tangible and hands-on. You know, I, I like what Nikki Six does. I, I, I like the way he handles his social media. I like what Lizzie Hale does. The same thing. You know, he has Ask Six. She's Ask Lizzie. You know, Sebastian Bach is very responsive. I think, you know, yeah, we shouldn't value these people more than, you know, our our friends and family. But some of us do. It is what it is. And they have the platform to do so. So we may complain about, and we've had those discussions too, about rock stars talking about politics, including Axel. Uh, and, and Dell James, you know, Axel brought on the, uh, the the Trump pinata in Mexico City. Should they talk about politics? But why not about mental health? Why not about being positive and about about the message of their music? It, it would be nice. But again, they're, they're the artists. Axel is the artist. We're just the fan. Or are we? Something to ponder as I try to be too... Uh, to, I try too hard to, to pontificate. That's a big word. Anyway, uh, that does it for episode 106. Uh, I appreciate every single one of you, you know, whether you found us on alternativenation.net, 
on the iHeartRadio app, on Spreaker, on Stitcher, on YouTube, on Google Play, iTunes, any anywhere you find us. Again, uh, you know, please share the episodes with your friends. Uh, whether you know whether you just tell them in person, because people I always see it in my timeline. Hey, any good podcasts to listen to? If someone asks you that on social media or in person, tell them about this show. Tell them there's a show that not only talks about Guns N' Roses, and who doesn't like Guns N' Roses? Obviously. But it's a show that allows you to interview you interview your heroes. So Tony just happened to be my coworker. And I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna I want to invite him on. Hopefully he can do it. And he did. And uh, the episode, I can officially say now, uh, Tommy Stinson will be coming on again. Uh, And I figured, you know what? I got through one episode, one interview with him. I've obviously earned his trust to to have him come back on. Um, So let's let's get a a listener out there. So if you were on, uh, if you follow us on Facebook or Twitter, you you saw me post that. And again, congrats to to Jenna from Philly. She's going to help. And the idea is... Just to have fun. That's it. And that's what I told Tony. It's not, you don't need to be over, you know, you being a fan, you're already prepared. That's it. And just have a fun conversation. So um, I'm very lucky. I get to have these opportunities. And I want you to be that lucky too, because I wouldn't be able to do this podcast if there weren't people listening like you. So it's all this weird pay it forward in a circle thing. See, I have my own way. I don't necessarily need the Bible or, or anything. And then if that works for, for Tony, that's what I said. Awesome. I need Guns N' Roses. <laughs> I need the religion of Guns N' Roses, a GNR podcast, I guess. But whatever works. Whatever works. Also on the way, as far as uh, future guests, uh, Richie Faulkner, he's also going to be making his second appearance on the AFD show, of course, from Judas Priest. We're going to be talking about uh, the canceled dates with Ozzy, um, their, their new... Uh, their new tour in North America, the, they just got added uh, to the Download Festival in Japan. Uh, I'll ask him, of course, some some GNR stuff. You know, he he's a really really awesome dude. Back in episode eighty, we spoke to Richie. Now, <laughs> wow, and they, that seems so long ago, but was it? So Richie Faulkner, uh, Tommy Stinson on the way, uh, Susan Mahomes McKagan on the way. Um, I, I'm happy to say that I heard back, uh, everyone's busy and I get it. That's why I'm so grateful to everybody who gives me time, co-host or, or guest. Uh, but Missy Suicide from the Suicide Girls, I believe she's the founder of the Suicide Girls. And if you remember, I don't know if you went to any of those shows, I did. Uh, it was the Suicide Girls, Sebastian Bach, and then Guns N' Roses. Yeah. And uh, that was up in Ottawa. And I want to say, I want to give a shout out, speaking of uh, Ottawa, and I, I can always uh, do this. You know, it doesn't have to be in a, a shotgun news thing. And don't worry, I, I, don't, I don't feel like pressing the button right now. But I want to give the, the proper shout out to this listener. Uh, Patrick, well, it looks like Grohl almost, but with an X. It's, I'm sure it's uh, French Canadian, and I don't want to mess it up. So Patrick. Uh, I just wrote to me. I, I just discovered your podcast, and I've been going through all of it in uh, this last week, neglecting my wife and kids <laughs> from Ottawa, and it was at the same show. Keep up the great work. So thank you, Patrick. I really, really do appreciate that. And I, I read uh, I read all of your your comments on Facebook, on Twitter. I know some of you message me on my private Facebook. 
you know, any of it. Again, it's what keeps this uh, podcast night train a rolling. So thank you so much. Uh, again, follow us on social media to keep up uh, what's going on in between the episodes. But as far as the next podcast, when will you see it? In the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy, I don't know if soon is the word, but you'll see it. security, I'm going home.